guys. Welcome to another episode of Bachelors in the City. This episode is going to be a tad bit different. We are going to do our Bachelor breakdowns with Emma, of course. Super excited about that. Let's go. Also, at the end, my girlfriend and I, for those that don't know, Kat, will be talking to relationship expert Veronica Grant. I'm super excited about that and some uh, details and some tips for a long-lasting relationship and single advice as well. But Emma, let's just get into the Batser breakdown because... Yeah, I'm excited. Peter's gone. And when the, what is it? The cat's away, the mice will play. Is that where we're at right now? Cats will play because you and me are cool cats. Oh, absolutely. So I'm excited to be back. This week's episode was crazy. But before we get into the episode, because we talk about all things Bachelor Nation and the Bachelor Breakdown, this week, another podcast, uh, In the Moment with Liv and Bix, posted on Instagram uh, talking about how they're doing a full breakdown of all of the People's Choice Awards, uh, Bachelor Nation individuals, and... They were like, oh, we're also listening to this seemingly new podcast. Let's like, excuse go. Excuse me. But like seemingly new, this is episode 46. We're not seemingly new, but you know what? They're trying to, they're listening to us. So, hey, we'll, we'll take that little compliment with a grain of salt. But we'll take yeah, it. we appreciate everyone that follows us. We're not seemingly new. We've been here since, uh, going strong since April. Pretty exciting. It feels cool. I mean, we're already so much in a routine that it feels like we've been doing this forever. We've been doing it for a while now. It's it's crazy. I never thought it would actually... Uh, well, I never thought it would have done a podcast. So um, yeah, this is insane. But um, yeah, I guess a uh, crazy shout... I mean, I don't know. Are we going to shout them out or... Yeah, shout out to In the Moment with Liv and Bix. We look forward to more do a Instagram banter back and forth. And hopefully... You enjoy our, quote, seemingly new podcast. <laughs> Whoops. Um, all right. Let's get into the Bachelor breakdown. Start us off. Yo. What do we start off with? So they start the whole episode talking about Jamie. Shocker. I mean, he was the first villain. They sent him home. And now we we're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? We're out of villains. So starts with a one-on-one after they've done the little debrief of this is kind of what happened last week and here's where everyone stands. And she takes Martin drag racing. And Martin looks straight out of 2004 and like a combination of every guy in NSYNC put together. He literally looks like he auditioned for Fast and the Furious for this date. I was like, this is a Fast and Furious literally movie right now that we're watching. The whole time I was watching it, I kept thinking there's no way they're actually driving these cars, right? Because I get kind of anxious when I'm going like 75. So seeing them whip these cars, I was a little bit apprehensive. I'm not really into cars or anything, but I think that would have been an awesome date. I mean, yeah, like whenever you go fast, I mean, you just get that, you just get that thrill. I don't, I don't know. I would love just to go on that, go on there and just go past a hundred and just, uh, I don't know. I would probably just hit a hundred and then really slow down, but. Awesome. I thought I'll stick it, to I thought cool. my Subaru Forester whipping around four miles above the yeah, speed limit. Push that That's... baby to the limit. It's going to last <laughs> for another 20 years. Uh, at the end of the episode, though, they do show a professional driver driving. So that kind of comforted me, comforted me a little bit when it comes to them not just like blowing around this track. That could be But dangerous. it seemed like a decently fun date. Yeah, it looked really and, fun. This Martin guy, too. Yeah. I don't really know what to think of him. He's just, only thing I can say, he's a smooth guy. This guy is smooth. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I wouldn't bring my girlfriend around him. Like, he's just a smooth guy. He just seems like he always knows what to say. He's real chill. He's real, like, calm. Um, he's got a great style. So I don't know what to think of him. He's just a smooth guy. I've got, a, like, I don't have a locked-in opinion on him. I don't think he's going to go all the way. I am confident he won't be top five, but who knows. And he was really good friends with Jamie, which we didn't really know up until this episode when people were talking about it. And so Michelle felt like Martin questioned her decision sending Jamie home when they had a conversation about it. And she feels kind of apprehensive about it, but gives him the rose anyway. Yeah, why bring it up, bro? Like, what are you, what is, what's, what's up with that? Like, if he's gone, he's gone. Don't bring it up. Are you here to find bromance or romance? You can find bromance too, but just leave it alone whenever you're trying to get your romance on. It just, it didn't make sense to be talking about something that had already been so set in stone. Yeah. I can see why people bring up drama that's currently going on in the house because it is currently affecting them. But Jamie going home doesn't make all that much sense to me. Like, why would you talk about it? There's again? no reason to. There's no reason. You just shot yourself in the foot. That's stupid. That's stupid. Yeah. He doesn't say much that like, we, we don't learn much about him on this date. But Michelle opens up about how she blossomed into someone in college and someone who was more confident and felt validated in her emotions and all these things. And Martin says a whole lot of nothing, but talks about the act of opening up without actually opening up. And she's like, wow, you opened up. I was like, well, maybe if you talk in circles for long enough, I guess. Maybe they just cut it out. So we don't, we don't know what's been edited out. Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? I don't know a thing about this guy. Don't know a damn thing. He's just smooth. Yeah. I just know this guy's a smooth cat. I wouldn't trust him with my girlfriend around. Smooth like a roller coaster. So then we go into the second date, which was the one that's been probably memed the most on Instagram. It is the pajama party, slumber party, cute theme date. Let me ask you a question before we get in. Do you have pajamas? No. Who buys who who buys pajamas I, I sleep anymore? In t-shirts. I don't buy pajamas. What age are you supposed? Like, it seems like adult, like adults. I'm an adult. Elderly <laughs> adults have pajamas. At what age do we start to buy clothing material just to go to bed in? Maybe it's like a bell curve, where when you're a child, you have cute pajamas, yeah. and then when you're like established and bougie, you can have pajamas. But most of life, I would say, is passing out in t-shirts. T-shirts. Underwear, shorts. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's what I every do. Every night, I, I never fall asleep in the same shit. Sometimes I might just be in shorts, no shirt, maybe just a shirt and boxers. It's just different every night. I don't know. That's weird. Do you want to hear a secret? What's that? I slept in the shirt I'm wearing right now. That. There we go. There we go. All right. And I don't know if that's more on the pandemic and work from home or if it's on well, if there's, there's the no need lack to of pajamas being relevant, but either way, couldn't quite relate the uh, <laughs> pajama aspect of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, no hate to you. I feel that. But Rodney's onesie. It's onesie. I feel, he's, he's, he's in the friend zone. I don't care what anyone says. He's still in the friend zone. I mean, they kiss. They kiss. Do you kiss your friends? You can still be in the friend zone and have a kiss. I guess that's fair. So Michelle did not love this date. Uh, in fact, the last episode when they were doing poetry, she literally said the only thing that she is looking for is for someone to see her, for someone to hear her, for someone to be there for her. And that's exactly the opposite of what we get on this date. It becomes a bunch of dudes 
broing out and hanging out on a date, I guess. It, this was this is kind of confusing because I, I get exactly one hundred percent. She's valid of how I mean, of course she's valid how she feels and what she's thinking, and I one hundred percent agree with her. And on the other hand, I see how the guys could kind of lose focus. Like you're about to go into this event, like competition, so you're kind of getting like your game face on, you know, and you're kind of just. Mm-hmm. Getting ready. And that happened, I mean, on my season, the Hannah Brown season. I mean, the guys would just hang out a little too much. They even called it, well, this isn't Camp Hannah. I think that's what Camp we called Hannah. it for a while. Camp Hannah. But yeah, so I see both sides. But yeah, again, I guess if you're really into Michelle and you you, you got to kind of take advantage of these moments where she's by herself and you just got to, you got to go for the kill, you know, you got to take full advantage of it. So I feel bad for her. I mean, I, I could definitely see, especially after her poem and how she's opened up mm-hmm. and wants to be seen. Yeah, I felt kind of bad for her. It was just like kind of strange. I understand being overwhelmed because there were like a billion things in that room. There was a cotton candy machine and there were all these teddy bears that you got to dress up and there's stimulation in every corner of the room. And then Olu is having people punch him in the stomach. He's like, I'm a rock wall, punch me. Okay. And- they didn't have that uh, moment because I remember you and Peter talking about this on one of our earlier episodes where Chris Harrison actually had to come sit all of the guys at Camp Hannah down and be like, hey guys, this isn't a frat party. Yeah. You're here on The Bachelor to like find your fiance. Yeah, it's freaking crazy. I don't know. You just kind of, yeah, it's easy to lose focus and you don't know really what you're supposed to expect. You don't know what you're supposed to do. They tell you we're going to have this competition. So you're just all in focus in the competition. But Mm -hmm. yeah, someone should have took advantage of that. Also, I want to point out, this is the same, we're going through the same things from Peter's season of like we had the Top Gun Mm -hmm. and now we're having the pajama fight party. It's, it, I mean, the pajama pillow fight party. It's the exact same season as Peter's. I know. I, I'm that? a little bummed that he's flying right now because I would have loved to ask how he feels about, like, I mean, his mom commented on uh, one of our last posts being like, what is it? Copying is the most sincere form of flattery or something like that. So okay. I really want to get Peter's take. We'll have to razz him about it for the next episode. Seems like they copied and pasted the whole episode so far. It's called Lazy Production. Yeah. What'd you think of the pillow fights though? So did we not watch them beat each other last week? Why are we watching them beat each other this week? I really want to know, is there a large, like if it's a Venn diagram of the people who watch WWE and the people who watch The Bachelorette, how much overlap is there? Because there has to be some or else, why are they making them beat each other every week? Maybe some of them will just get a concussion and have to go home trying to knock out the week. Who knows? I Try guess. Pull it, Dustin. What's that? <laughs> get injured on a date. <laughs> pull it, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> I took full advantage. Took full advantage. Hey, I mean, it worked in your favor. It so did. people should be taking notes. No one flopped in this one. Also, I want to point out, I still don't get it that Clayton is the next Bachelor. I am so confused. It must be something. He must have saved some people out of a burning building or something because I still, he just seems so bland at the moment. 
So why last week when I was like, I think he knows some ABC secrets or something like that because he must be blackmailing them to get to the batch, like to become the bachelor. So now you're saying he saved people from a burning building. How am I more conspiratorial than you are? I'm just saying it's got to be something that... There's got to be something. Something that really wows us because... I'm bored. I know nothing about this guy still. Nothing. He's got, well, from the show, I'm not saying in real life, but from the show or what we're seeing, there's no personality. There's no, uh, any there's kind nothing. Of, there's nothing. There's nothing. Maybe they're trying to save it for his season or something. I really don't get why, but I think everyone's starting to get a little um, apprehensive. Yeah. Because he's the next bachelor. Why? Yeah. Show what, us. What? What Anything. episode was this? Episode three? Four. Four. Damn. Yeah, we're a quarter. Less, I mean, more than a quarter through this. Yeah. It's, you'd like to think that he'd be showing us something. But he punched Olu. He did well in the teddy bear, like, beating one another, I guess, pillow fight. My one joke from all of this, which I was pretty proud of in the moment, and I said to my grandfather, who has officially moved in with me now, I was oh. like, see, Michelle doesn't feel seen and they're at a WWE thing. It's like John Cena. You can't see her. And my grandpa <laughs> told me not to say that on the podcast. You can't see her. That's actually really funny. We actually need to get some of that as uh, assets put on there. That would be <laughs> Do a Photoshop of some sort. 100%. I'll make it happen. Also with Michelle. Yeah, I feel like I felt bad for her and how like I'm just validating her feelings because clearly, I mean, your feelings are always validated. But a piece of me was like, and I think she tried to brush it off. Like maybe I'm just feeling, maybe she's just having a day, you know, where she just mm-hmm. doesn't, she's just feeling low or something. But um, yeah, I don't know what else to speak on that. It's just. Uh, well, in the evening, I appreciate that she confronts the guys about how she didn't feel seen. And then Olu opens up about his sister and supporting her through times where she felt like she wasn't seen. And he kind of like relates to how Man- uh, Michelle is feeling. And he starts to get a little bit choked up. It's really the first like emotion that we've seen from him. He gets mm-hmm. the rose, which was really sweet. But I just overwhelmingly in that moment was like, advocate for your needs. Go, Michelle. That is my bachelorette. Every week, without doubt, I get a moment where I'm like, yep, that's the reason she was picked. She knows what she wants. She knows how to get it. And she knows how to communicate her emotions with other people. It's just incredibly mature. But how does that feel as being a woman? Like, okay, you're not getting something. You bring it up and now all of a sudden you're just flooded with it. Does it seem non-genuine a little bit? I mean, not that I can, like, I can't really relate because I have never had 14 guys all fight over me. <laughs> but usually when but I'm like, hey. Save your boyfriend. Save your boyfriend. You needed something from your boyfriend and um, you bring it up and now he's just flooding you with it. Is that? I, I can see how that would feel pretty I can see how it would feel disingenuine. I think at the end of the day, what it always comes down to is communication. And I think that that's what Michelle is doing so well is that she's very explicitly stating where she stands. And I think that it is a little bit different on the show. Obviously, they have to push a little bit harder and they have to try a little bit harder. So it might feel a bit more you know, mm-hmm. and it might feel more disingenuine just because they have to ham it up a little bit because they have such little time. But I do I do appreciate that she is really standing up for what she wants. And if these relationships are legitimate and end up succeeding, that I think she will thrive because she's laying the ground 
uh, like the floor for the relationship with communication. Here, here. I second that. <laughs> That's really good. Good. Yeah, she is really good at communication. I, I have noticed that. And communication is key. So, so yeah. then we go into the second one-on-one date, which is uh, Rick, who is on both yours your and Peter's top five. Yeah, but your boy, though. That's the, the rat guy. <laughs> he looks so much like, what is it, Rodney? No, not uh, Roddy from Flushed Away, and I will die on that hill. And if you don't believe me, check our Instagram. There is a picture of them side by side, I swear. But they go on a really cute date. And it was a date where I was like, this is the date I would want to go on. They go on the gondola and a hike. That's so nice. They usually do such overkill dates that this one felt very peaceful. Yeah. I I have an issue with this date. It has nothing to do with them. Okay. I just think it's so triggering whenever... You know, ABC know clearly they know everything about this guy. Mm-hmm. They know he's had like some some issues or you know some something's happened with his father in the past. Mm-hmm. Yet they pull this note out, and it has something to do with like a father. Like I, I think it said, "I wish my father could see me now." Like yeah, that's you can see the man I become. Fucked up, is it not? Is that it's not weird that that's up? the note they pulled out? Yeah, weirdly specific. That just seems like I feel like something should should just come up like organically. If you want to speak on it, speak on it. But I feel like they're like really reaching and trying to tug at the heartstrings with this guy, like playing with his emotions. They, they're ready for this, this cry to come out and all that. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't like that. That's, that's. It felt like a very targeted note. Targeted. Big time. And I'm not saying it was planted there, but I'm also not saying that a lot of people genuinely relate odds? to that. What's what are the, the odds, odds that that's what they pulled? So they got lucky. And then that evening, he opens up about the whole situation more and talks a little bit more in depth about how he was feeling, like what happened with his dad. Says he found out his dad was cheating on his mom. Uh, my grandpa's big commentary there was, why the hell is he looking at her phone or at his phone? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. Uh, good point. But at the same time, he tells Mind his mom business. about it and then his dad passes away and he harbors all this guilt and he wishes his dad could see him now. And it's just like a weird, somber moment. And then the kiss is really awkward, but she gives him the rose. All in all, positive date did well. I think that he is showing potential to be top five. He's not going to be the one though. I feel that you could tell. I don't think he's the one. He's not going to be the one. Also, like when you go on a one-on-one, like you definitely want to open up about your past, but you don't want it to be surrounded. You don't want them to give you a rose because maybe they just feel bad or sorry about your story. You know, you kind of want more to be there than just that. Yeah. I mean, everyone like the sob story is what makes television, but what makes a person strong or the things that we admire the most in people are usually when they overcome adversity. So Mm -hmm. not just the adversity itself, but the process of growth that comes from that. And I think we did a lot of diving into the hard stuff that he did without a lot of the emotional processing and how that's made him a better man. Ooh, you deep. That is deep, Emma. What can I say? I'm in it this morning. Sheesh. That is deep. (laughs) So from now on, we don't want to hear sad stories unless we hear a story about how you overcome and went through it and became a better person. I like that. Absolutely. Because everyone goes through hard things. The difference is how you 
like how resilient you are, how much growth you are able to get from those hard experiences. I love that. Yeah. Good call on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then we go to the cocktail party and we finally get to see Chris S turn into Chris Snake and he gives this really cringy speech about how the guys all need to step up and not everyone is showing up for her and all this. And then Brandon's like, hey, can I, t- uh, Michelle, can I take you? And Chris is like, no, I'm actually going to take her first. That guy's got little man syndrome. I would agree. He's just got little man syndrome. I don't know. Yeah, not a fan of this guy. He's a snake. Like, that was pointless. I mean, uh, yeah, you. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to make it look like you're trying to get some more screen time. You're trying to put, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's, It's stupid. I don't know. All I know is there have been three villains so far on this season, starting with Ryan, the guy with all the notes. Then it was Jamie. And now it's Chris S., and well, you, gotta, you can't forget Peter. Oh, yeah, I guess that's fair. So there have been four of them. So for that, I'm 50% because two of them are, have been in my top five. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say that, but I think... I know how to pick them. I don't think you know how to pick them, buddy. <laughs> you really go for the red flags. Sheesh. Sheesh. So he bickers with Nate and it's really stupid. Again, none of this is good drama. It's just like little man versus a guy who very clearly is a front runner. He calls him a dweeb, which is hilarious. And I've already seen Bachelor Clues has memed it. They went crazy on that. Yeah, it was just stupid. And so after that, Joe comes up and he's like, hey, Michelle, I I know you said that you like snacks. So here are some snacks. And she's like, wow, I've never had these. And in front of her are like three different types of (laughs) M&Ms. Who was this date with? Uh, Joe Coleman. Which the basketball Joe? player. Oh, yeah. From yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's going to be a, a high front runner. He's a quiet assassin at the moment. He is. The thing I'm probably the most upset about about this season is that after we had done our top five, I was having a conversation with my boyfriend and he was like, oh, yeah, I know Joe Coleman. Joe Coleman's a super cool dude. I was like, excuse me. Yeah, he knows him, right? Why didn't we have this conversation earlier? So maybe I could have put him in my top five. Like, why didn't you help me out here? So Maybe now he can help him get on the podcast. We could chat with him a little bit. We'll see. I mean, we can't, we're I, I'm not letting Jesse on the podcast. His ego will get too big, but we can get Joe. Yeah, we'll get Joe. Back on the- The uh, M&M's. Nate. Well, I was going to go back to the Nate and the bickering. It was like, oh, some of these guys feel like they have it in the bag. And I saw a meme of like Nate standing up. I think his shirt was off. And they're like, of course he has it in the bag. Are you kidding me? Yes, he's got it in the bag. Are you, he's beautiful. Look at this guy. 6'8". Charming, to, yeah, attractive. Super, he's got a, 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 like a goofy personality too that's like really, yeah. This he's guy, got yeah. it all. Whole package. Yeah. Duh, he's in the... Yeah, he's in... Are you kidding me? And then Chris S. is like, yeah, well, I'm going to wink at Olu if I get a rose because I want him to know that I'm here. I was like, yeah, this is why other people probably have it more in the bag than you do. <laughs> Yeah. Little man syndrome. I, it's funny. A lot of, this happens a lot. If you ever notice, maybe a big guy will go to a bar or something and there's always a little guy that tries to like step up to him, that kind of starts shit with him for some reason, tries to overcompensate. And that's a prime example of what we saw. Oh, Twitter. absolutely. It just, it, it was weird. Then we go into the rose ceremony and we say goodbye to Romeo, Chris G, and Will. So 
I guess the jacket didn't what, mean what, as much as he thought it did last week. He, put, he was more invested in that jacket than he was Michelle. Shit. <laughs> he didn't cry going home, did he? No. He didn't cry. Oh, he cried over that jacket, though. Oh, my gosh. That is Unfortunate so- he didn't go far enough to probably get a nice jacket deal, but maybe Burlington <sighs> Coat Factory will pick him up. That guy. Really unbelievable. Anyways, I thought this episode, I thought it was some good points in there. I thought it, a little drama, nothing too crazy. I thought it was a little bit of a basic episode, you know, a mm-hmm. little, nothing too crazy or exciting, um, but I'm sure the next one will be more exciting. I'm excited for them to come to Minnesota, baby, next week. Minnesota. They're doing a lot, it looks like. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be really cool. I'm excited to see what they choose to highlight in the city because I love it here. I mean, no offense. I think it was funny whenever, like, Brandon was like, we're going to Minnesota. Woo! Um, (laughs) Yeah, Minnesota. (laughs) Okay, you know, okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So to wrap up this whole segment, I figured we could do a rosebud thorn, which usually is like something that's going well, something you're looking forward to, and something that's bad. But in this context, it's going to be rose is the winner, bud is a like competitive, potentially blooming second place, and then thorn is the loser of the week. So here's my analysis. The rose goes to Peter. Peter beats you because while you both have Rick and Nate in your brackets, Brandon and Rodney did better this week than Clayton and Joe. And that's just because Clayton brought you down. So Dustin's a close second for Bud because he had the two standouts, Rick and Nate. And despite Joe's cute snack moments, Clayton brought you down. So you lose to Peter. And then at the very bottom, the thorn is me. My remaining picks, Nate and Rodney, are really the only ones keeping me in the race. And then Clayton, Boring, and Chris S., the new villain, are also on my bracket. So I very clearly lose. Wow. You going through that, I feel like that meme of that woman staring up and all these mathematical (laughs) problems are going, I'm just like, what? (laughs) Okay, but I trust you. I trust you. All right. I guess guess I'm the bud. All right. I think that you, it's going to come down to you and Peter. I feel like you guys, it's like insider trading. You guys know what you're terribly, and Rodney's definitely not going to help your case. He's in the friend zone. He doesn't even know it. He's blindly, terribly in the friend zone. And I don't know. I got to read How to Win the Bachelor. So you got to read the book. Yeah, seriously. Maybe we should start a book club because I'm I'm failing pretty tremendously over here. Yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to start training my buddies. I'm going to start training friends and have them read the book and we're going to have nightly classes. That's what I'm going to do. It'll be like our own personal chess game. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to recapping it all next week and hopefully more crazy stuff happens and it'll all be in Minnesota. And all in Minnesota, you know? Well, that's it for me. But uh, after the break, Kat and Dustin are going to talk with relationship expert and podcaster Veronica Grant. Veronica, nice to meet you. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you here. So tell us a little bit. Oh. Tell us a little, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do? All right. Well, I am a love and life coach for women who feel like they have 
everything except love. And uh, I help them find it in what I call a swipe right, swipe left world. And I really focus on not like really the kind of gimmicky, like five texts to, you know, get them to I do or whatever. And I really focus on why are you attracting the kind of relationships you're attracting or why are you finding yourself in the patterns or doing the things that you're doing? And let's understand why, because I really do believe that there's very good and logical reason for those things. And then from there, I help uh, clients kind of decipher through that and then figure it out from the inside out so that they can start attracting a different kind of relationship, setting boundaries, asking for what they need, feeling more confident, being more vulnerable, all of those types of things. Uh, And it's super awesome. It's super fun. I love what I get to do. How do you differentiate yourself from like a therapist almost? Like, how do you define what you do exactly? Yeah, that's a really great question. So here's how I describe it. Um, First of all, like every coach and every therapist is going to be different. So this is more of a, just a broad um, explanation for it. But in general, the way I see it is, let's say you're in therapy, you're then you're standing in a room, there's a chair in the middle of the room and you're walking on you know, all sides of the room and you're talking about the chair from different angles and you're looking at it from different angles. And what can you learn about the chair by looking at it from different angles? That's, that's therapy. Whereas coaching, you're sitting in the chair, I'm in a chair sitting next to you, um, except we're actually in a car and you're driving forward. I've got the Google maps open in the passenger seat and I'm helping you to get from point A to point B. And I might be like, well, we can go this way and we might get you know, these bombs where I might go this way, it's a little longer, but like a smoother ride. And so I'm helping you figure out where you want to go, but ultimately you're in the driver's seat and I'm just helping you get there. Um, so it's, it's more action oriented, I would say. That's a good analogy. The car and chair analogy. Thank you. Yeah. You're like the, the tune up, you know, they're already <laughs> thinking that, but you're just reminding them and trying to help guide them. I know yeah. Kat, I think she gets a lot of her advice from her close friend story on Instagram. She's big on that. Uh, I do, I do. It's kind of like my little soundboard diary. I just kind of get opinions (laughs) from my friends based on whatever the circumstances, but... She's big on that. Yeah, but what I think is great about what you do is that the, you know, all the introspective stuff and the tools that you give your clients, I feel like that applies across the board. It's not just with relationships too. So, you know... That's the big secret. That's that's the big secret. I always tell people, I'm like, the work I do, like, like, yes, I understand that might have been like the doorway that got you into my world. Like you might have been searching for something or Googling something specific to dating or relationships. But like, yeah, the big secret is that it has nothing to do with relationships or dating. Mm -hmm. It really has to do with you and sourcing your worthiness from in and confidence and, and, and trust and intuition, all that kind of stuff. And then once you can do that, then yeah, your relationships will improve. They will grow, but also so will your career and your health and spirituality, friendships, like whatever else you want to grow. Absolutely. So let's go move on a little bit. So me and Kat have been dating, what, four months? Well, yeah, I mean, we've been dating. We've been seeing each other for maybe eight or nine, but we've been official for four. Yeah, so we're doing really good. We're really happy. Don't have any issues. We we talk a lot. Actually, we communicate a lot. But anyways, um, what advice do you have to keep relationships fresh and lovey dovey after the honeymoon phase? Ooh, this is this is great. So, the one thing that I that has made the biggest difference in my marriage is thinking about your relationship in two buckets. So you have the romantic part of the relationship. So like, this is the kind of, or this is the part of the relationship that, you know, is this honeymoon phase, the part that you remember when you first met and you were dating and like, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you have the like logistical part of the relationship. So you have the 
agreements around um, communication, when and how often you see each other, if you're um, how you're how you're um, spending money, like if you know who's paying for what, like if you're going on dates or going out or whatever or going on vacation, having 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 agreements around money and just kind of like all the boring kind of gross stuff that we want to talk about in relationships. And then obviously, if you live together, then it, you have even more of this conversation, like around like who pays the rent and the groceries and the bills and that kind of stuff. So this sounds like oh, Veronica, you're being like a little bit of a Debbie Downer here, but here's what I find is this kind of stuff bleeds over into the rest of the relationship once you're with someone for a while and then it just kills the romance, right? Because like, if you're frustrated because your person's not, your partner's not texting or calling you when they said they're going to call you or you're, or you're arguing around who pays for what the next time you go out together or if you live together and you're having arguments because there's dishes in the sink, well, no one's having sex. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because like you're pissed at each other. And so the best thing you can do is just like have the logistical part of the relationship in a nice, clean bucket. You can have like little meetings about it. Like my husband and I have a weekly family meeting every single week where we talk about this kind of stuff just so that we don't talk about the rest of the week. It can really just focus on being in the romance the rest of the time. And I think you can apply this even if you're early on in a relationship or not living together, because there's still going to be some logistical pieces that you might find yourself that you kind of get into arguments about. Just have a conversation, be super clear, create agreements, create boundaries. And then you have a designated time, like once a week, once every other week, whatever, where you talk about it. And then you don't talk about it. And the rest of the time, you can really just enjoy each other's presence, have fun, go out, have sex, do whatever you want. But like, you just have space for that. I don't know what she's looking at me for. <laughs> I might be bumping up against some things, I can tell. No, I mean, that's a good tip. I think that's a good tip for sure. Because you, you're really in the moment. I think, I mean, even in general, I think people really forget to be present a lot of the time. So, Well, I also think that people think that talking about this kind of stuff is you know, kind of like how I talked about at the beginning of the conversation is like a little bit of a Debbie Downer, like, wah, wah, you want to talk about this kind of stuff? But it's like, yeah, just talk about it, get out of the way and don't let it bleed into the rest of the relationship. And then you can just have like fun. That. Yeah. I, like I think my issue personally is that if No, no, I'm just saying, no, I'm saying personally, like I'm the type of person that if I think about something like every, it's all, I think about something then it branches off in my head and then I have like a million other different questions about whatever I'm thinking about logistically Facts. or whatever. Facts. So I find it, I would find it hard to sort of like bottle that up into one. I don't even know how that hour would, or meeting would look for us. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, well, I know? know what it looks like. Yeah, it's happened before. She's very, uh, yeah, she's got a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, I do. Have, start, start like a like a little Google folder with a document. You know, I, I do that. And then if I know I want to bring something up to my husband, I just jot it down. And that way, like, it gets out of my head because then I'll be thinking about it, stress I'll forget or whatever. And then I want to talk yeah. about it, like, on Thursday night when we should talk about it on Sunday night. And then it just gets messy, right? So, But probably the best part of that is also you probably get over it by the time you reach, like, the meeting, you know, hopefully. <laughs> If I, if, I feel like if I wrote down all those questions I had, by the time I revisited the document, I'd be like, why did I even like cross yeah, that off? I hope you start <laughs> Use that document. <laughs> so I was on The Bachelorette and I don't know if you're, you've seen the show or you're a fan of the show, but... Oh, I watched uh, from episode season one. <laughs> oh, oh well, okay. We've seen it. So what's your take on how, I mean how they really force you. You have a little time. You really have to open up. You have to really be vulnerable, open up right away. How do you, 
what's your thoughts on that? And compared to like real life and in real life, when's the right time to open up with someone and be vulnerable and just give all your cards out? Yeah. So I have lots of thoughts on this. So, you know, as a love coach and I'm pretty open with like my clients and my community and everything that I, I love the bachelor and bachelorette and whatever. I'm a junkie. People are like, isn't that kind of weird or like a little contrary (laughs) to, to work you do? I'm like, yes. And, and no, it's funny. The one thing that people always like, well, criticize the relationships in the bachelor is, is that, well, it's just so fast. Like they're, I don't know how long filming is. It's like what, like eight weeks, two months, three months, whatever. I think start to finish maybe less than three months. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's actually not really my, my issue. I actually think that, you know, the way that, you know, the, the producers like make you have conversations and vulnerability and like, and what's the game of roses word PTC cards or whatever. (laughs) They make you share all these things about yourself and have conversations around like, well, like, do you want a family or do you want kids and all that kind of stuff? I think that if you're having these conversations upfront around just some of the, first of all, deal breakers and also core values that you have in your life that you presumably also want to have in a relationship. I don't think time is really an issue. I knew within like a month or so that like when I met my husband that we were going to get married. I don't know if he realized it yet, but I knew it. And not like in the like, oh my God, I met my husband kind of way. That's just how I was in every other relationship. Those were all crap, obviously. But it was just like, yeah, we just had these conversations right away. And I was just like, yeah, okay, fine. We'll just eventually get married, which we did. So I think that relationships can move quite quickly. I think they can get quite serious quite quickly when you're having the right kind of conversations, again, around these values that you that you have for yourself, for your life, around your deal breakers. So yeah, I'm not really concerned about the the time. You know, there's but other if concerning anything, things. It's better. Like, if anything, it's better from what you're saying. You just kind yeah. of get everything out of the way, lay all your cards out and say, you know, this is what I'm looking for and this type of person I am. And Totally. And like the standard dating advice is actually like the opposite of that. It's like, oh, play it cool. Don't let the other person know how you feel. I mean, this is like more of like dating advice to women, I think. But it's like, play it cool. Like, don't let him know how you feel or make him chase you or try to please him or like, don't tell him about your job or how much money you make or that you own your house because you might intimidate him or like all these stupid rules that... I think that are, that I, I feel like no one follows, but then like I get texts from people and like, oh shoot, people still believe these rules. So I, so then I, I guess I have to keep doing my podcast. <laughs> but yeah, these, these rules are like kind of the opposite when you think about it, about what happens on the bachelor and bachelorette shows. So yeah, I'm not concerned about the timeline. It's kind of the other like <laughs> stuff that goes on in like the, on the shows and probably behind the scenes as well. Um, that is a little bit more problematic in terms of starting a relationship, but yeah, I, I don't think, I think you're right. I think, you know, those conversations and those emotions coming out of those, from those conversations are are good. I think though, in a relationship, it takes time to, to learn a person's characteristics and their, yeah. and also how they react to certain things and whatnot. So I think those are biggies that when people do go on The Bachelor and they, oh, we're in love, we have all these feelings, but they don't really know how each other act act in real life. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like the issue because, um, yeah, what is, what is real life? I mean, look, like I grew up going to, uh, summer camps and like, I was like BFFs with those people. And then like, we would get into like the real world and like, oh, well, like we're just friends because we go to summer camp together, but I like love them, but like, we're just not the same at all. And so I think that can certainly happen. And I'm sure it does happen, you know, within, within the context of the show as well. Big time. For all of our listeners out there that are looking for their person, and haven't found them yet. What advice do you have for them? People out there that are just waiting and just hoping. Yeah, yeah. 
And is the perfect person real? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the per- yeah, that's the good one. Okay, so my advice would differ based on like exactly what was going on for them. But here's, I'll, I'll show you my thoughts. But I'll, I'll answer the first question first, or the second question first, um, about the soulmate thing, which is kind of what you're getting at, right? So I don't really believe that like one and, and one soulmate. I actually believe that we have many soulmates. And I actually really believe that every single person that we date is a soulmate if we take the time to learn like, okay, why, why did we come together for this moment in time? So even if it was like a one night stand or a 20 plus year marriage or like everything in between for however long that relationship lasted was, you know, you were supposed to be there. He was supposed to, or she or whatever was supposed to be there as well. And you're supposed to be together and learn something to help you grow in the way that you're supposed to grow in order to be ready for the person that you're meant to be with, you know, long-term. And so how many more of those people you have to go through until you get to that person? Like, I don't know. I don't have crystal ball, but that's how I personally see soulmates. And I think it takes a lot of the pressure off because otherwise I think we constantly like stress ourselves around like, well, is this my person? Is this the person? Like I break with my person. And like, we just just can really just be really mean to ourselves and stress ourselves out about these questions that we'll never really know the answer to. So that's the second question, the answer. The first thing is, you know, the advice for people who are looking for their person, you know, again, like it kind of depends on what's going on for them in in their life. But I think that, and again, like I'm being biased here because I do a lot of inner work, but I really think that there's no silver bullet to finding your person, but I do think that the closest thing is doing the inner work. I find that a lot of times when we're not getting where we want to go, we just keep kind of grinding at the like the swiping or the getting on as many dates as you can, or like meeting people here and going on dates there and, da, 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 and just like burn yourself out so much so that you're almost feel like you're dating or finding a relationship as like a part-time job or a second job. Um, and then it's just taking away from like the other parts of you that that make you you and and make you interesting and make you someone that would want someone else would want to be with. And so I think the best thing that you can do is take a step back and say, okay, what's the pattern among all the people that I've either gone on dates with or that I've been in relationships with? Like, what's the pattern? Is there some sort of like underlying thing that connects all of those relationships or all the people like, am I dating the same kind of person, but with a different face every time? Or, you know, what is that pattern? Whether it's the kind of person you're attracting or just kind of the nature of the relationship. And then just begin to ask yourself, okay, why do I think I'm attracting this person or these kind of people? What does it remind me of? How am I feeling? What's the belief that's driving this? And then from there, you can begin to kind of unravel what you're doing and what you feel and what you're believing. And then you can look at the shifting the actions. I think when we try to convince ourselves that next time we're going to like listen to the red flags or we're, you know, not going to go after the bad guy and, you know, whatever, you know, you can tell yourself that all day long, but then you're relying on willpower. And if willpower worked, then like, you know, we wouldn't ever buy shoes at 2 a.m. in the morning or, you know, eat like too much food or whatever. Like willpower just doesn't work. We do things because um, we're feeling a certain way and we're trying to not feel a certain way or because we believe a certain thing about ourselves or men or women, love, relationships, the world, whatever. And so when you can kind of deconstruct yourself like that a little bit, then you can better understand why you're doing what you're doing. And then from there, it's much, much easier to shift the actions. I, I loved everything you've been telling us today. Veronica, where can our listeners find you at, though? 
Um, so I have a podcast called the love life connection where I bring people onto the show and I coach them through their love life stuff. So that kind of gives you a nice little sense as to what this work is all about. And I also have an emotional availability assessment. Um, we don't really talk about this, but basically a lot of people can be emotionally unavailable and not just men. So I have an assessment that you can download and really get the sense of where you are, you know, cause wanting a relationship is different than actually being ready for the relationship you want. So you can get that at veronicagrant.com forward slash assessment. I love that. Actually, I might have a client for you. He's a pilot. Um, I'll definitely give him your card and uh, maybe you can help him out in love. But thank you so much. I think you brought so much value to our listeners, to us for sure. Thank you for your time. My, Loved having you my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. <laughs> Bachelors in the City is hosted by me, Peter Weber. And me, Dustin Kendrick. This podcast is produced by Red Rock Music and powered by Acast. Our producer is Red Yoakum and our associate producer is Emma Martins. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Send your voice memos to btc at redrockmusic.com. That's btc at reddrockmusic.com for your chance to be featured on the show. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Bachelors in the City Podcasts. See you next week.